Take your Bibles with me. Turn to Matthew chapter 22. We'll take you there in a few moments. Matthew chapter 22 within God's Word this morning as our main text. Hopefully you have a sermon study guide with you. You can take notes as you follow along this morning. We had to postpone our Christmas office party uh, from December and move it into January. We had our Christmas office party this past week, and we exchanged names for Christmas gift giving uh, as an office staff. And uh, it's not to exceed $10, and we exchanged names, and uh, uh, Pastor Ryan got a special name that he requested. He went to Linda and he said, I want to have Pastor Hal's name in the gift exchange. And we couldn't figure out why. And then when we were doing the opening of the presents, uh, Pastor Ryan came to me and said, can we reserve Pastor Hal's gift opening to the very last? And I said, sure. I couldn't. What's going on here? So we went through the whole office staff. Pastor Hal opens up uh, this gift that was about this size of a box unwrapped it and, and picked it up by the handle. It was a clear plastic box. Picked it up, looked at We all looked inside. Here was the biggest, hairiest, living tarantula that you've ever seen. Now, if anybody... What's Pastor Hal's number one fear? He can face down a bear, and he has shot a bear with his gun, but spiders freak him out. He just, it was weird, he just froze there. <laughs> then, he, then he dropped it, he went to the far side of the room, he turned all red and was just shaking all over. Uh, and uh, uh, tarantula. And then my daughter, my oldest, puts it on her head and has a Facebook picture taken of herself. Oh my. What's your greatest fear? What's your greatest fear? You know, for some people, it's public speaking. For some people, it's flying. Some people, Don Waggy goes down into her basement every time the lightning crackles and the thunder roars. Literally, yeah. What's your greatest fear? What's your greatest fear? In a recent nationwide survey, it was stated, my greatest fear is coming to the end of life without making any real difference. <clears throat> Listen, the devil wants you to believe that you're a nobody. The enemy wants you to believe that you're going to come and go from planet Earth as a nobody. With nobody ever noticing your passing. He wants you to believe that and to receive that into your life. The real truth is you were born with a destiny. The real truth is this. You are unique. You are a special creation by God. You are a life the world has never witnessed ever before or ever will witness again. That's right. When God made you, the mold was thrown away. You are absolutely special. You are absolutely unique. There is no one that has ever been like you or ever will be like you. Like a seed 
that can become an amazing, incredible forest from one little seed. Your life is packed with potential that comes from God. Divine potential. That's why I want to minister to you this morning on a message that's entitled, The Power of One. The Power of One. Would you follow along with me in your sermon study guide? As we begin a brand new year, we're setting new goals. And I would say that probably for most of us, one of our major goals is to be a success. I don't know of anybody that has set a goal to be a failure. God, write it down. This might be a new revelation for you. God wants you to be successful. God wants you to be successful. Can you prove it, preacher, from God's Word? Yes, Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good what? Success. If you're not successful, it's not God's fault. Success is intentional. You don't stumble into success just as you don't stumble into the pearly gates of heaven. It's intentional. So how can you be a success? Write it down. Before we can agree on how to achieve success, we we must define what real success is and what it's not. Would you agree with me? Real success is not found in money. Money can buy you all the things that it can buy. But money can't buy you a loving home, a loving marriage. It can't buy you health or one real friend. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 5, Whosoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. John Rockefeller was asked, When will you be satisfied with enough money? When is enough enough? And John Rockefeller said, When I make my next dollar. When I make my next dollar. Success is not being able to quit working and retire. I've talked to some of you. and, and, And your big goal in life is, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait until that day comes where I can put up my feet and I don't have to work any longer. And I can take life easy. And I can just retire. I've listened closely to my retired friends, and they've told me, Pastor, remember, there's one one horrible fact about retirement, Pastor. And I've said, what's that? You can never take a day off. (laughs) Capiche? And if retirement is so great, try staying home a week and watching daytime TV. Success, would you agree with me? Success is not being famous or having it all. Just ask Elvis Presley, Marilyn Monroe. Just ask uh, uh, Michael Jackson, Amy Winehouse. Just ask Whitney Houston. Just ask Robin Williams and a host of others. And if we could talk to them, they would say, success is definitely not having it all. These people had prosperity, popularity, prestige, prominence, position, power. They had it all. They died miserable. 
So what's the meaning of real success? Oh, jot it down. Real success is God's definition of success. Do you, know, wanna, do you wanna know God's definition of success? Matthew chapter 22 gives us God's perspective on success. They were trying to entrap Jesus. They were trying to find the one commandment that was the real success commandment of all. The one principle, the one secret key to a victorious, successful life. They thought they could entrap Jesus. Notice here in Matthew 22, verse 34, hearing that Jesus had silenced, the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, a lawyer, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. These two commandments. You see, the Jews had added 623 commandments in addition to God's 10 original commandments. It was a rule-conscious, regulation-conscious society. Jesus boiled it down to just two commandments. Love God and love people. Love God and love people. It was right after my dad retired that I asked my father, I said, Dad, what's, what's the meaning of real success? What's being a real success? Without any hesitation, my dad looked me in the eye and he said, Son, of course it's not money. It's not having the biggest business. It's not being the president of the largest corporation. It's not being the pastor of the largest church. A real success is that at the end of your days, people can look at you and say, that man, that woman, is a real man or woman of God. That's a man. That's a woman that walks with God. It's when your children are able to rise up and say, my dad, my mom, they're a man, they're a woman of God. That's being a real success. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy mind, thy soul, thy strength. Loving others. The second greatest commandment. Loving others. What's the most loving thing that you can do for others? Introducing them to Jesus. Recent polls indicate, recent research indicates that only one Christian about one Christian out of every 200 Christians has won a soul to Jesus Christ. Only one out of 200. God help us. That's a tragedy. Write it down with me as we look at part two. God's definition of success is a life of significance. A life of, of significance. 
After obtaining all of our awards, our gold watches, our promotions, our high-tech toys, our frequent flyer miles, buying our second homes, getting that boat, why are so many Christians in the church today so miserable and so unhappy? Because we have sought, we have pursued the world's idea of success over significance. Learn to pursue significance over the world's idea of success. And I guarantee you, real joy, real happiness, fulfillment in this life. Significance seekers are, are driven to make a difference in their world. They not only want to make a difference, they want to be the difference in people's lives. They want to leave this world better than the way they found it. They look at their job, they look at their school, they look at their community as a divine appointment, a divine opportunity. If you think that this pastor is the only one that can make a difference in this world, you are falling so short of, of God's plan for your life. Every one of you have divine opportunities. You have divine potential. God doesn't do things by coincidence, happenstance, or by accident. God has planted you. God has positioned you right where you are at right now. For you to be a missionary, for you to be a witness, for you to have a life of significance, you're going to have opportunities with people that I will never ever have. You're going to walk into places that I'll never walk. You have been called by God at this time in your life to be His light in darkness. And oh, the darkness is getting worse and worse. We'll describe that in a moment. Begin to see that He orders the steps of the righteous, as the Bible says. And you'll stop viewing your job as a job. And you'll start viewing your job or your place right now in life, this season in life, as opportunity to be used by God for His glory, to let your light shine in darkness. A man was on his deathbed. A man was on his deathbed, and he gave his wife specific instructions. He said, I know that I'm not long for this earth, so I want you to follow my instructions. I want you to take all of my precious possessions and placed them on the roof of the house. She looked at him and said, Are you crazy? She, he said, Do it. I'm going to prove that as I go up, I can take it with me to heaven. So she followed his guidelines, his orders, put it on the roof of the house. He died. It, yeah, that's right. It just sat up there. Week after week, month after month. Finally, she said, Let's Let's get up there and, and take it down. This is foolishness. I just know, I just knew when he told me that we should have put it down in the basement. What's the only thing, what's the only thing, what's the only thing that you'll ever bring to heaven? Souls. 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 Mark it down for today's darkness and despair. You and I can be lights of the world by offering real hope 
in Jesus. Do you notice how deep the darkness is getting? If you're watching the news, if you're aware of, of current events, you're not naive to how deep the darkness is getting in our, our world. The crime, the violence, the pornography, the drug abuse, the human trafficking. Yet far worse is our world's spiritual darkness. Which is our nation's fastest growing religion per capita? What is the fastest growing religion in America today per capita? Anyone know? Islam. Islam. And can we talk about spiritual darkness? Islam. Uh, a main tenet of Islam. Under orders from Muhammad, every faithful follower, every Muslim, is to be engaged in holy jihad, holy war, which means what? To kill all infidels. Who are infidels? Non-believers, especially Christians and Jews. I had a I have a minister acquaintance that uh, works in prison ministry and had to report for diversification training. Have any of you had to go through diversification training? I know several of you have. And they had three speakers there: a Roman Catholic a priest. Uh, a Protestant minister, and uh, this prison chaplain acquaintance of mine had to sit and listen to a uh, Muslim iman. A time was given for question and answer, and so he shot up his hand, and uh, he said, Is it true, is it true, is it true that uh, uh, you and your brother clerics are telling your followers to kill all infidels in order for you to gain paradise, in order for you to uh, enjoy your heaven. And uh, the imam sheepishly replied by saying, yes. My friend continued and said, how can I be your friend when you and your followers are trying to kill me, would you rather follow an Allah who wants people to kill other people or follow Jesus who calls people to love one another? My acquaintance said you could have heard a pin drop though the organizers and the promoters of the diversification training were not happy with uh, his question and his uh, exposure of Islam. But it's true. It's true. And it's the signs of the times for those that are not spiritually asleep. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Jesus is saying nobody in their right mind hides their light. 
Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your light shine. Shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify who? Glorify your Father which is in heaven. I am asked often, I'm asked many times as a pastor, Pastor, what's the best method for soul winning? What are some good witnessing methods that you can teach me? It's kind of like uh, they're wanting to be taught a, a slick sales pitch. I'll tell you the best way to be a soul winner, the, we the best way to, to witness, the best way to win souls for Jesus Christ. Let your light shine. Let their light shine. One of the first things I would ask you if you came to me asking me how to be a better witness, I would say, can they see the glory? Can they see Jesus being Jesus in you? Sometimes you don't have to say a word. Does your attitude reflect Jesus? Do your deeds reflect Jesus? Are you doing the things that Jesus would do? Do you respond the way Jesus would respond? And of course, are you taking those opportunities to let your light shine by giving a good word, uh, a word for Jesus, a good word in due season? Are you planting seeds? Because we reap what we sow. Are you letting Jesus be Jesus in you? Are you letting Jesus be Jesus in your words? Are you letting your light shine in the terrible darkness of these times? How can the glory be seen in you? How can you shine in darkness? Remember that Moses, his face shined to such a point the people couldn't bear to see him. His face shone because he had spent time in whose presence? God's presence. If you'll spend time in God's presence, if you'll focus on, on God's presence, pressing into His presence with praise and worship, uh, it's like... Many of us, when we go on vacation in the wintertime, we want to come back with what on our skin? A tan. Well, when you spend time in God's presence, you get a holy glow. Amen? Spending time in His Word, spending time in prayer, spending time pressing into His presence with praise and worship, there'll come a difference in your outlook, in your face, in your countenance, people will begin to ask you, what's so different about you? What are they seeing? They're seeing the glory. They're seeing Jesus be Jesus in you. Write it down. Being the difference in people's lives is more than proclamation. It's demonstration through the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 4.18. Jesus said, the Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free. Now I want you to notice a dual reality in this Scripture verse. A dual reality here about the gospel. 
Jesus said, I am anointed to proclaim the gospel or good news. But I, no I note here a dual reality. Being a witness is more than preaching. It's more than sharing words. The gospel is more than words. The gospel is your good works. The gospel is your good deeds. The gospel is your good, kind acts of loving service to the poor, to the blind, to those that are caught up, for instance, in human trafficking, to set the oppressed free. Your ministry in sharing the gospel, being a faithful witness, is more than just sharing Jesus verbally with people. It's sharing Jesus in doing good works for people. Are you with me in this? The Lord has called you to let His light shine in darkness by what you say, preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel, sharing Jesus with people, but also... More than your words, doing kind and loving acts of service for people as well. A businessman was walking uh, from his lunch back to the office, and as he passed by an alleyway, he saw a young boy playing with some glass. And he stopped and he said, Hey, what are you doing there? As the boy was handling a broken piece of glass. The little boy put up his hand. He said, it's all right, sir. I'm not causing trouble. As the boy held up a broken piece of a mirror and was reflecting sunlight at a window, you see my little brother's up there, and he's crippled. He's not able to walk. He barely is ever able to to get out into the sunshine. And so I come down here every day to reflect the sunshine into his bedroom so that he can get some sunlight. That's what being a Christian is all about. Sometimes you never have to open your mouth. Sometimes by bringing food to the poor, by bringing clothes to the naked, furniture to the homeless, by letting Jesus be Jesus in you. That's sharing the gospel as well. Are you with me in this? That's, this is what I mean by letting your light shine in the deep darkness of these times. Letting the Holy Spirit energize your witness for the glory of God. Real success, write it down, is managing your greatest asset. What's your greatest asset? Your family. Your family. I believe in filling our home with lots of love, encouragement. I believe in filling our family with lots of hugs and kisses. I don't care how old my kids ever get. I want them to always be ready to give me a kiss on the cheek and me to give them a kiss on the cheek. Can I hear an amen? amen. That's right. That's right. One of my most favorite possessions is a picture that my oldest daughter gave me. It shows this guy jumping off of a cliff into a river. It's, it's hanging in my garage. And on it, Julie wrote, Thanks, Dad, for all the memories. 
because I always took them on crazy vacations, exciting vacations. I wanted to build memories in my children's lives of good times, fun times, loving times, called by God to let my light shine first and foremost to my family. Are you with me? Some pastors, some pastors have won the world only to lose their children. My first missionary enterprise and calling is my family, my children, and the same with you. True success is leaving your children and leaving your grandchildren a legacy of faithfulness. When your children and when your grandchildren see you on your knees in prayer in the morning, in daily devotions, uh, they see you putting God first. When they see you involved in teaching a class or ushering down the aisle or, or singing in the choir, faithful in ministry, when your kids or your grandkids see this, they see you putting God first. When your children, your grandchildren see you on a big give here at Lakeside, when they see you bringing food to the hungry, uh, bringing clothes to the poor, they see you putting God first. Dad, Mom, when your children or your grandchildren see you, tuck your hand in your pocket and pull out the Lord's tithe and your offerings every Sunday and put it in the offering bag, they see you putting God first. And what's the promise when we put God first? Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. Are you being a faithful witness to your family? Are you being faithful to church? Faithful in prayer? Faithful as a witness to your family by putting God first? Do you see that? That's first and foremost in influencing lives living a life of significance in the name of Jesus. Every one of my kids at one time or another, uh, most of the time the question would come from the back seat of the car. Have you ever gotten this question, parent? Dad! What? Dad, are we rich? I leaned back one time and I said, Listen, we're richer than the richest. And they said, we are. I said, our family has things that money can't buy. We have love. We have joy. We have peace. We have health. We've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, which is more precious than gold. We are heir and joint heirs of Jesus Christ in heaven. We've got a mansion just over the hilltop. And for the time being, the Lord is our banker, and we shall not want. Those eyes that get real big, I'd drive for a couple more miles than I would hear from the back seat. But Daddy, are we rich? <laughs> Write it down. Real Christ followers are passionate about winning souls because they recognize that time is short and eternity is forever. John chapter 9, verse 4, Jesus said, We must do the work of Him who sent me. Night is coming! When no one can work. Watch the news. 
And you'll realize that more prophecies, more end-time prophecies are being fulfilled in our lifetime, in our generation, than any other. We are the generation that has witnessed the rebirth of Israel and the recapture of Jerusalem. For Jerusalem, it's the first time in 2,500 years that Israel has been in sovereign control of Jerusalem. We are the generation witnessing unprecedented violence and crime and war as prophesied by Jesus. We are the generation experiencing the resurrection of Sodom and Gomorrah, again prophesied by Jesus. We are the generation that has seen the accelerated growth in knowledge, an explosion in knowledge and transportation as prophesied by the prophet Daniel. We are the generation witnessing unprecedented famines and disease and earthquakes, again prophesied by Jesus. We're the first generation with the technology for a one world economy, the mark of the beast, 666. We are the generation seeing the rise of an end time alignment of nations Russia, China the European Union and of course Israel and a satanic religious coalition of Muslim nations who hate Jews and hate Christians and w wish to kill all infidels culminating in what? what's it all adding up to? Armageddon Jesus said in Luke chapter 21, verse 28, when you see these things come to pass, oh, look up. <laughs> Lift up your heads, for your redemption is drawing nigh. It's not a time for doom and gloom, Christian. It's a time to lift up your heads. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Time is short. Time is short. Time is short. Do you know how much time you have? Do you, do you know how much time your loved ones have? Do you know how much time you have? Church, wake up. Wake up. Let's share the gospel as never before. Let's pull out the stops as never before. We're in God's two-minute warning. Come on. Let's share this great gospel. It's good news. <laughs> it's good news that we can have a hope and a home in heaven. It's good news that Jesus saves. Time is short. We're living on borrowed time. But eternity? How long is eternity? Eternity is forever. Eternity is forever. How long does a soul live? Forever. Forever in heaven? or forever in hell. Do you realize that, that on the Titanic, a name which equates disaster and death, do you realize that 35 minutes before they hit the iceberg, they were warned about it? Do you realize that they were warned via telegraph of the iceberg that was ahead? And we have on record what the telegraph operator responded back with. He responded back with this, Shut up! Shut up! I'm too busy! Leave me alone! And he failed to warn the captain about impending death and disaster. Listen, our world is heading for disaster, for death, an eternity without Jesus, and we know about it. We know it's coming. 
God help us for not warning our world that the bridge is out. Our knowledge makes us responsible to be soul winners, to be witnesses for Jesus Christ, to let our light shine in the darkness. Write it down. Being the difference through soul winning is the greatest act of love you could ever show someone. It's the greatest act of love. Many were gone last month, and so I'll share this story again. I was out raking leaves the end of November, and uh, it was uh, late at night, and uh, I was getting my chores done. A woman pulled up in a minivan. Her window came down, and I thought it was one of you uh, that had uh, tracked me down. And the window rolled down of her minivan, and she is sobbing. She's crying. Have you seen my Lucy? And I thought she was missing a daughter. I said, no, ma'am, I, 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 haven't, I, I haven't seen your daughter. No, not a daughter. My, my Scottish terrier, black and white little dog. Have you seen my Lucy? I said, no, I haven't, but I'll be looking. And she turned the corner with her window still down, screaming out, Lucy, Lucy, how could you do this to me? Lucy. Turn the corner. Five minutes later, another car pulls up. Have you seen Lucy? Oh, you found her. I said, no, no, but I'll be looking for. Five minutes later, another car pulls up. Another woman. Window comes down. And I said, Lucy, right? She said, yes. How do you know? I, I said, you're the third car to come by. I will get on my bicycle and I'll travel the neighbor. And I went like two, three miles out. Uh, calling out, Lucy, Lucy, Lucy. My pastor's heart went out for her. All of a sudden, I saw the minivan again, the owner of the dog. And she came up and she said, Oh, thank you. You are so kind for looking for my Lucy. But we found her. I said, You did? Where did you find her? In the upstairs bedroom. You know, it's incredible. It's incredible how we'll search, how we'll cry for a lost dog. We'll cry when uh, our daytime TV soap opera character dies. We cry when we read a, a sad story in a book. We cry when the chimpanzee, the monkey at the Detroit Zoo dies. But when was the last time you wept over a soul? When was the last time you wept over a soul? Our week of prayer will be all about weeping over souls, interceding, agonizing. Oh God, save their soul. Open up the doors that I might be a witness to their soul in the name of Jesus. When was the last time you cried over a soul? There's coming a day in heaven when the rewards will be passed out, gold crowns, the Bible says. I don't know about you, it's not a gold crown that will touch my heart. It will be when they will come from the east and the west, the north and the south. When they come up to you and when they come up to me. And they'll come with open arms and they'll say, thank you, thank you. You might not remember 
but because of you, I am a soul that has been saved. I'm here in heaven because of you, because of what you said, because of the class that you taught, because of, of the witness that you shared, because of the kind deed that you did for me. I saw Jesus being Jesus in you. You led me to Jesus. And because of you, I'm alive that has been saved. Boy, that, that's going to be the greatest reward for me outside of our Master saying, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. Well done. Lastly, it's incredible how one life in Christ can really make a difference. The power of one is amazing. Research indicates that on average, the average person over a lifetime, how many people, how many people do you think that you influence? Just your one life. Just because it's the last fill in the blank. Don't leave on me. <laughs> how many people over an average lifetime does the average person influence? 250 people. Such is the power of one. It's amazing. David Livingston, known as the greatest missionary of Africa in the 19th century. You remember the story? The journalist, the journalist Henry Stanley, searched for him for months in deepest, darkest Africa. And after five and a half months of searching, he found missionary Dr. Livingston. And he came up to him and said, Dr. Livingston, I presume. Dr. Livingston, the greatest missionary of the 19th century in Africa. How many souls did he win? How many converts did he make in his 30 years of ministry toiling in Africa? One. 30 years of faithful service. If you read his biography, you'll find that he, he died with a great deal of spiritual discontent and discouragement because he only won one convert. One convert. But that one African convert ended up becoming the chief of 30,000 Africans. Through him, churches were built, missionary stations were established, and hundreds of thousands of Africans were saved because Dr. Livingston was faithful with the one. Just one. Just one. Who's Mordecai Ham? Who is Mordecai Ham? You don't know who Mordecai Ham is? Does anybody know who Mordecai Ham is? Huh? Ruth's uncle? Mordecai Ham? Mordecai Ham is pretty much a complete unknown evangelist that held a small church revival in Charlotte, North Carolina. And in that revival, in the second pew, 
was a 16-year-old teenage young man by the name of Billy. Now you know the rest of the story. Billy Graham was one to the Lord in that little church revival. You've heard this story dozens of times, but it bears repeating. A Salvation Army captain in 1927, 1927, was knocking on doors, going from door to door, sharing Jesus. He went to one house. He didn't know it, but that house was filled with all kinds of abuse. Physical abuse, sexual abuse, drunkenness. It was a hell house. The young man who opened up the door was 17 years old. He was known as Red Devil, not just because of his red hair, because he had such a vile and a vicious temper. Red Devil, being witnessed to by the Salvation Army captain, Red Devil found Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior and was born again. Red Devil won his whole family, his mother and his father, his sisters and his brothers, to Jesus. Red Devil entered the ministry, became a pastor. He had three children who entered the full-time ministry. Two were pastors, one a missionary. Under them, hundreds of people were discipled. Missionaries were sent out. Churches were established. Red Devil had ten grandchildren. All ten grandchildren today are serving the Lord. Five of the ten grandchildren are pastors. Churches have been established. Hundreds of people have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lives have been, dis uh, been discipled and missionaries have been sent out. Today, Red Devil has 18 great-grandchildren. Five of those 18 great-grandchildren are in full-time vocational ministry pastors. They're pastoring in churches. Lives are being discipled. Uh, again, the gospel is going out. Missionaries are being supported for the glory of God. After seeing Jesus one day in heaven, the first thing that I want to do, I want to track down, I want to track down that one Salvation Army Captain because Red Devil was my grandfather. And because of one that knocked on doors and shared Jesus with people, I'm preaching to you here this morning. Such is the power of one. Will you take your one life and at the beginning of this new year, will you purpose to love Him as you've never loved Him before? Will you be in right relationship with Jesus? Would you, will you be a success? Will you be a man, a woman of God? And will you love others? And the greatest way to love others is to share Jesus with them. Share eternal life with them. Let them know that disaster is coming. The bridge is out. There's an iceberg ahead. It's called hell. Satan 
sin. Would you let people see the glory in you? Will you be a light in a dark, dark world? How about it? Will you recognize through Jesus the power of one? I've given you a special gift. I hope you were given it. If you didn't get it, make sure you get one on your way out. I gave you a Bible bookmark. I want to put a challenge before Lakeside Assembly of God. Would you this year, here's the goal, I challenge you, will you take on the goal of winning just one soul for Jesus Christ in 2015? In 2015, will you do that? I've given you a Bible bookmark. You can write down the names that you feel that the Lord has laid upon your heart. Names that you can begin saturating in prayer in the name of Jesus. Keep that before you every day. Pray over those names. Pray for open doors. Pray that you'll be a witness for Jesus. Pray that they can see the glory. Because there's power through Jesus in one. Stand with me right now. Father, the name of Jesus, I ask and pray, come, 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 sweet Holy Spirit. Come to save. Come to touch. Come to fill with your amazing light so that we will become lights in this dark world. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed here this morning. And I ask there to be no looking around in the privacy of this moment. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. This has been a message directed towards Christians. But perhaps, perhaps, perhaps you're here this morning. And you're not sure about your relationship with God. You're not sure that you have a home in heaven. And you want to be sure. If that's you, I'm going to pray a prayer, a prayer of salvation. A prayer that will make you right with God. A prayer that will give you eternal life. A home in heaven. Would you like to be included in this prayer? If you would like to be included in this prayer, just lift up your hand right now as a sign of your faith. Lift it up high that I can see it. I don't want to leave anyone out. Lift it up high this morning. If that's you, I just take a few seconds. God bless you. See that hand? God bless you. God bless you. How many more? Lift it up high. I don't want to leave anyone out. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. Keep that hand up. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Pray this prayer with me right now. Everyone pray this prayer out loud. And for you that have your hands lifted up, make this prayer your prayer. Dear Jesus, I come to you right now. And I confess, I've sinned. I'm a sinner. But Jesus, you're my Savior. Save me from my sin. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose from the dead with resurrection life. I want that life, Jesus. New life in you. A changed life. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me, for cleansing me, 
for giving me a home in heaven. I thank you, Jesus, that I am saved. In the name of Jesus, I receive this as I believe it. Amen.